Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome to a Pod special, the final day of the Premier League season. It's over, and now we know that Leicester City and Leeds United are relegated. Our experts are former Premier League stars, Mark Schwarzer, Thomas Sorensen, and Michael Bridges. They'll break down what it means. We'll also look at who qualified for Europe and the big picture at the end of Match Week 38. I'm your host, Teo Pelizzeri. This is the Optus Sport Football Podcast. Let's get in to the Pod. So it is a Pod in the aftermath of the final day of the Premier League season. Mark Schwartzer joins us in the back of a cab. Schwartzy, where do we find you? Well, I'm on my way back from Leicester. Uh, Leicester's game against West Ham. Obviously, uh, a very sad ending to the season for Leicester City. Um, they did everything they possibly could on the day, but it just wasn't enough, of course. Michael Bridges, where do we find you? I am actually sitting in the airport in London after a very, very mixed emotions of a day. I've been to Wembley cheering on Carlisle. I saw them get promoted, witnessed that, and then obviously coming into the lounge to witness Leeds' relegation unfold on television. So it's a, it's been a very, very strange and surreal day, um, hence the glass of wine that I have sitting in front of me. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Thomas Sorensen, uh, you, you, like me, have uh, pulled an all-nighter. How are you this morning? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm great. Uh, sadly, I'm not in the UK. I'm sitting uh, in a hotel room here waiting to go in and wrap it all up at uh, up to sport this morning. So uh, plenty plenty to show, for sure to talk about. Well, let's start with the relegation picture. Leicester City 2 defeated West Ham 1, but it wasn't enough. Leeds United 1 beaten by Tottenham 4 and Everton, who were in control by the end, 1-0 winners against Bournemouth, even though it went 101 long minutes for them. So Everton survive, Leicester and Leeds go down. Mark Schwarzer, let's start with you because you were at the King Power Stadium. Sum it up for us. Leicester City go from champions to relegated in seven years. Well, I think it really just sums up uh, Leicester City as a whole in the last 12 months. Uh, a lot of uncertainty around the club. Uh, last summer, Brendan Rodgers saying that, you know, the, the players, he needed a big overhaul of players. Uh, the transfer window came and went. Uh, very limited numbers of players came and went. More went than came. Um, I think Brendan Rodgers then started on, on, on the, sort of already on the back foot with a lot of players who were probably a bit disgruntled by his comments saying that he needed a massive overhaul. Um, and that, uh, and that, uh, you know, really the players probably felt that they didn't have the, the, the trust of the manager anymore. And I think throughout the course of the season that showed. Today was one of their better performances. Um, but as we know, you know, it, it, it just wasn't enough. You know, over the course of the season, 38 games, um, the table never lies. And Leicester were, the, you know, the third worst team in the league and they deserve to go down, unfortunately. 
Bridgie, what about your emotions with the relegation of Leeds United? I understand that uh, it was a pretty toxic atmosphere at Elland Road with Leeds fans chanting to sack the board and Spurs fans, even while they were winning, chanting to sack Daniel Levy. So neither team was happy and the end result is that Spurs miss out on Europe and Leeds get relegated. Well, I think that was the only thing that both sets of fans came together. They were both in um, in favour of chanting against their own um, boards, like you were saying. So it's been a... Yeah, it, it was an interesting game. I mean, it's lovely when you get a text off Mark Swartz when Tottenham go ahead and he says, who are you supporting today? Well, obviously, Mark realised that I was supporting Leeds United today against my team, Tottenham. And unfortunately, when you go behind early on in a game like that, um, in the first half and the second half, Leeds, I know it was out with their hands, but you still want to go out with a, with a, some form of performance for the fans, even if it's you're relying on other results, you know. And unfortunately, Leeds could not do that today. They were totally... Um, overwhelmed by the occasion it got the better of them and totally outclassed sadly so um, all in all like you say it was not um, from what I've witnessed and what I've heard it wasn't a great environment um, to be at today at the stadium and as you can imagine emotions were, were running very very high and rightly so you know the fans fans have paid paid a lot of money to go there they've waited so long to be in the Premier League and unfortunately um, Leeds have fallen out of the Premier League quicker than what most expected and now it's all about how how long is it going to take them to bounce back um, and hopefully if they can sort things out in the summer and get back on track um, with with as soon rather than as soon as they possibly can then it, it's going to make life so much easier but there's a lot of stuff going to go on in the summer I think regarding um, the, the, the obviously the players that are there um, like you say the fans have, have been um, putting against against the board and things like that so it's going to there's going to be a lot unfolds and obviously they need to find a manager as well Bridgie I'm going to have to take you back there mate because the, 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 the message I sent you was I said that your Spurs team is playing well today that's what I said to you and you got a bit upset about that. I don't. I don't understand why. And I said to you, Mark, today's today's Spurs are not my team. <laughs> what does it say about Leeds that uh, they conceded after ninety seconds in the first half and after eighty seconds in the second half? I mean, the the team talk clearly out the window uh, within the first two minutes in both halves, Bridgie. Yeah, well, that's it. Like I say, if you're going to go into a game plan and it goes out the window early doors, you know, Harry Kane, the first four minutes of the game, you, you've got your, your backs to the walls. And then what you've got to do is get yourself back into a game because, you know, you need the three points. And um, I think that, that that moment in time, everybody was kind of really down. But when Jack Harrison got the goal back at 2-1, everybody, you know, you could you can feel the lift. I'm, I'm, I'm on social media all the time seeing what's going on. I'm speaking to a few of the guys, um, like Andy Cousins at the game, saying what, what's it like, how's it unfolding? And then straight away the counter attack happens and it's three one. It just sucks the life out of the stadium, the players, and everything like that. So it's a, it's the the coach killing moments. And um, like you see, even if Leeds had gone on to win, uh, it would have given the fans something at least to cheer out in the last game of the season. But it was too far gone. You know, Everton uh, with Dyche have, have managed to pull off a, a minor miracle. Uh, Bridgie, what time is your uh, your appointment at the job centre tomorrow? Yes, thank you, Mark. Well, listen, you might you might you can have a laugh at my expense. What you got to think about? We've all been in relegation battles. You know, the side of it, we can have a we can have a you know a, a laugh and a chuckle when teams teams are going down. You're having a, a you know a laugh and a go at me, but we've got to think about the you know the people at the football clubs that potentially can lose their jobs, and that that's the side that hurts. You know, the players will always find other clubs to be part of or to bring Leeds United back but I, you know, I know a lot of the people behind the behind the scenes that are the, the DNA of these football clubs some of them are volunteers and uh, the people that work there that you've known for years may lose their jobs and that, that's the that's the worrying side of it for me and the bit that really hurts and it it, it should be hurting the, the players as well um, because obviously they, they, they're they all part of it and everybody's on the, the same journey when things are going high but when they're down in the in the dumps yeah I'm a little bit concerned about all the people that are behind the behind the scenes.
Thomas, um, are Leeds at risk of a double drop? They've obviously uh, had to throw the kitchen sink at staying up. Sam Allardyce came in, a club that's lost their way and lost their identity. How much risk are they at now that they have ultimately been relegated? I, I think it's always a risk. You know, we, we, we saw the teams that went down uh, last year, only one has come back up, you know, so, so it, it is always a struggle. And I think my worry is that, and then Bridget will probably, uh, you know, he can elaborate a bit more, but, but there seems to be a lot of trouble you know, behind the scenes, you know, who's the manager? Is, is Sam Allardyce? Is he going? Is he going to stay on, or, or are they going to look elsewhere? And you know, a lot of their talent will, will probably leave, uh, be bought up, uh, wanting to play in the Premier League. So, so it's it's always a worrying time. And and uh, yeah, as Bridget said, not just for players and everything else, but for staff. Uh, and I do worry. You know, it took them so long to get back, and it could take uh, the same amount of time again. Um, so. Double drop? I don't think so, but you know, they'll, they, I don't. I don't think it'll be a straight back up. Mark, has this ruined Sam Allardyce's reputation as the firefighter? One point from twelve, or did he take on an impossible job, and indeed it proved to be impossible? Um, I think certainly people will say that you know, obviously Allardyce came in so late for the four games, um, and the the impact was was next to next to zero. One point, I think they picked up in those four games. Um, so I, I think it's one of those ones where in the future it won't necessarily be someone that a club will turn to to try and help them in a, in a, in a dire situation. I mean, we've seen, uh, it, in, if you use the example of Roy Hodgson, I know he had a lot more games to keep uh, Palace in the league, but his, but his impact was instant the minute he walked through those doors. Whereas with Sam Allardyce, unfortunately for Leeds United and Sam Allardyce, it hadn't been. Um, so there seems to be a lot more going on at Leeds United than at, uh, at some of the other clubs. Yeah, do, do you know what it is, Swarty? I think if he'd been given the time when um, when Javier Gracia came in, I think if Sam had had that kind of time frame, uh, we might have seen a different side of it. I think the, the change, you know, Victor Orta wanting to go with the, the you know, the pressing style that we, we witnessed at Leeds United under Bielsa, then obviously Jesse Marsh came in the lights did press. You know, uh, Gracia tried that and then they went a bit more defensively. I, I just feel that the the atmosphere at the time from we you know from here behind the scenes it just they, they didn't captivate the players at that time. Whereas when Sam came in, he did. He got the he got the place buzzing again. He got smiles on the faces. People wanted to come in and train once again. But I, like like you say, I just think it was a little bit too too short. But I think if he'd had got the time, I think the firefighter Sam would have would have done a job. But um, it was just too too short notice, unfortunately. Bridgie, is there a Vincent Company type manager who can come in and turn Leeds 180 degrees? Because this time last season, no. No one thought Burnley was going to be winning the championship by more than 10 points and never mind playing a great style of football and uh, actually looking like they're going to come up into the Premier League and make a real go of it. So things can change dramatically with the right hire. Do you think Leeds are a club in a position to do what Burnley has done and come back with a vengeance? I would love to think so, Teo. And there's definitely somebody out there with that kind of pedigree. Who that is, I don't know at this moment in time because Leeds have got a lot of other things to worry about. You know, the ownership, what's going on there. Um, that That's the priority because the last thing you want to do is appoint somebody and then find out that the ownership has changed and they want somebody different. Um, and that, that can happen. That is a reality. So I think it's one it's, it's one step at a time. They see how everything unfolds. Um, but there is definitely somebody out there because the calibre of players that Leeds have, they've shown that they can get 
get up and they've survived in the Premier League before. They've got the experience and, um, you know, it's, it's about getting the right person in place. And that is a decision that you can't just make overnight. That, that's going to have to be a long process and it's got to be the right process because Leeds have gone away from their their vision and philosophy to bring in somebody like Sam Allardyce as to what their what their style was. So, again, they're going to have to readdress that and have a look at what is what is what do Leeds want as their DNA and what type of manager do they want? Uh, Bridget, I'm going to throw you a curveball. Can I ask you, what about someone like Kevin Musker? If you think about the impact that Ange Postacoglu had at Celtic, playing the style of football he's played, Kevin Musker's gone into Yokohama, done the same, if not probably elevated them even a little bit more. Do you think he would be someone that could potentially go to Leeds and bring in the style of football that Leeds fans would really like? And do you think that's even possible now that they're in the Championship? Well, do you know what it is? If I could, if I could get anybody, it would be Hans Postecoglou, mate. I've tried, to, you know, I want to see him in the Premier League. I want to see him at Sunderland Football Club over the years. So, you know, the pedigree and, and what 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 I like about that sport, what you suggested there, um, I think it's you know it's, it's a really interesting, um, it's a really interesting. Uh, managerial appointment because what he's done he has followed in Ange's footsteps you know Melbourne victory and then he's gone on to do the, the Yokohama Marinos and he's he's also seen the, the style of play that Ange likes and he can adapt to but I think Muskie's put his own little sprinkling on it and change a few things up and if there's anything that the fans of Leeds United love they love somebody that's a hard man and they've had Vinnie Jones there they've had David Batty there and I'm sure with Muskie with his his past history in the in the English game and around the world with his tackles that would spread and I'm sure you would get the players um, kicking a few on the field as well so I, I like what you're saying, mate, but again, it's, 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 he'd have to go through the process. He'd have to impress everybody at the football club. And he's definitely somebody that, you know, I hadn't even gave that a thought until you mentioned it there, mate. So if, if that was the, the case to, to put his name in the hat, I'd, I'd be all up for giving, giving Muskie a glow and reference on that side of it, definitely. Mark, are we just talking here or just speculating or just talking? or what's, Have you got any inside info at all there or just throwing it, throwing it out there? I'm just throwing it out there. I wish I had some inside information. But I was just thinking about it. I know that, you know, Bridgie mentioned before about Ange. Ange had been talked, we talked about on this podcast about Ange and potentially Leeds United as a as an option, obviously, if they stay in the Premier League. Now that they're not in the Premier League, what would be another option? And someone like Muskie, I I, I think would be, you know, you, you, you mentioned me all Vincent Company, a Vincent Company like somebody that's been elsewhere, has been successful, and could come into the English game as a manager for their first time and and, and do a job. And I think Muskie could do a very, very good job at somewhere like Leeds United. Thomas, let's talk about the other team that went down, Leicester City. It's been apparent for much of the back half of the season that players like Madison, Tielemans and Barnes are all in the shop window. Is it inevitable now that all three of them go, potentially more players? And just how much does that leave Leicester in a difficult position to, again, do a Burnley and bounce back into the Premier League? You know, again, uh, you know, it's another club where, you know, they've been selling um, a little bit more stable, I would say, than than Leeds. Uh, and, and they are going to lose, uh, you know, you, you mentioned a few of them, you know, I, again, we, we discussed it on a previous uh, podcast that, you know, I hope Suter stays there. You know, I think he'll be fantastic for them, uh, you know, uh, and, you know, can help them, you know, definitely because that's what counts in, in the championship. You know, you you got to be solid at the back. Um, you know, Danish goalkeeper Iverson, I think he, he's, he's done reasonably well. He's had a, co- a couple of good games. So so they've got, uh, you know, can they keep Ignacio up front? I think is also a question. So, so they, you know, there's going to be a turnaround of players, but can they keep the core of them? Uh, I think that that is, you know, that is really important. Dewsbury Hall, I think uh, they can probably keep hold of him. 
you know, so so you lose a couple, but you know, I feel they're in a in a in a position at least to, to make a challenge. I think for for a, a repromotion. Well, I think Yuri Tillemans. I think it's pretty obvious that he'll be moving on anyway. Um, uh, he's had a contract in the summer. I think a lot has talked about him. Uh, he's been linked with a lot of clubs, and I, I there's no way in the world, in my opinion, I, I would see Yuri Tillemans staying at uh, Leicester City in the summer. Same as James Madison, Harvey Barnes. I'm not quite sure. He has been linked heavily away from the club. He's been one of the main players along with James Madison. He's a leading goal scorer in the Premier League this season for, for Leicester City. I think it's 13 goals he scored. Scored again today, of course. Um, so, yeah, huge talent. Obviously, huge assets. Um, and I think the owners uh, certainly will probably be looking at trying to bring in some much-needed revenue. You know, uh, I, I know they have had big hits during the COVID pandemic, um, obviously being in duty-free. Uh, and, and parts of, uh, of, of in, in, the, in, the, in Bangkok, in Thailand, uh, in, in the airport. And obviously that was hit massively by COVID. So I know that that's had a massive impact on the club's ability um, and the, the ownership to ha- have backing of the club. So I would think now the drop back down into the championship uh, is an opportunity for them to cash in on some of those big assets um, and then hopefully restart again. So Everton is the team that did survive but they didn't learn their lessons between last season and this one. They got away with it last season. They get away with it again today. Thomas, are they heading for three relegation battles in a row, or is there any evidence that they will have learnt their lessons from having narrowly avoided the drop two seasons in a row? You know, again, uh, you know, it seems to be a theme for these clubs. You know, you got you got Mujari, uh, you know, the owner as well. You know, if they've they've struggled to find any sort of sporting director, Bill Kenwright is obviously in. You know, the, the also in charge there, and, and you just look at the team today. You know, Sean Dice had to play with a back five. You, you got uh, Dwight McNeil and James Garner playing as wing backs. You got, you know, Calvin Lewis is obviously missing out, so they've got no out and out striker. And Damari Gray has to do a job. Um, you know. Decore signed a new contract, and uh, at least he came in and uh, rewarded the club with with the the goal they needed. But you know, when you when you got two goalkeepers on the bench, you know you you have to put on a Sean McAllister who's who's twenty years old and 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 has played no minutes in the Premier League. You know, I I, I question. You know, have they got the money to uh, to go out and get the players that they they really need? Um, uh, and, and yeah, I, I fear that they will be in a similar situation next year because I don't think the club is in order. I don't think it's it's shaped up to actually deal with this uh, situation. Um, they've got a new stadium that they have to think about as well. So uh, I, I think we could be on for a third year, Theo. Um, uh, so uh, we'll see. But maybe Sean Dice will uh, surprise us. Well, Bridgie, do Everton even keep Sean Dyche? I mean, it's not like his record was good. It's just that other teams were worse. Well, I think if anybody deserves a contract to keep a club and have another go, it's, uh, you know, Sean Dyche has done the job. He's kept them in the, the Premier League. Uh, and like you say, with, with Burnley, he wasn't my favourite style of play. And But I think Everton fans don't care. As long as they've found somebody that can get, get something out of these players, uh, that's exactly what he's been able to do. So, you know, I, I think it would be only kudos if, if you did see Sean Dyche back in the Premier League with Everton and giving him a chance to prove his worth once again with the club. Um, like I say, I think the last thing Everton need at this moment in time again is another another managerial change when the players have just got to know the guy. Uh, they've built a relationship with him and they've been producing. So well, hopefully we do see that um, that continue at Everton for Sean Dyche. What, what do you mean you're not 
very much of a, a fan of Sean Dyche's football. And didn't you once say, or on a number of occasions actually say, if they were playing in your back garden, you would draw the curtain? That's exactly what I said on numerous occasions, Swarty, and I stand by it. There's several times when he played, when he's manager at Burnley, I would shut the curtains if they were playing in my front garden. But I've actually seen a little bit of it. You know, Everton, there's been a few moments where I've looked at them and thought, oh, yeah, that's all right, because um, Frank Lampard took that when he was when I was watching Frank Lampard uh, managing of Everton that, that he became the new team that I would shut the curtains um, when he was managing Everton but Sean Dyche has got something out of the mate so I, I, I take that back from him it might just have been the players that he had at his disposal and uh, maybe he's got a little bit more pedigree at Everton so um, I'd like to see him continue on because I do like him as a character Bridget can you just clarify a thing um, you know you're saying that you can shut your curtains in your back garden but now you're saying you can shut your curtains in your front garden like how big is your front garden? Well, Tommy, some of us have got a little bit of land at the front and at the back. And like, on, Swartie's got it on the east wing, the west wing, the north <laughs> and the south wing. That's how, that's how well he's done. Well, what I want to know is, Bridgie, when did you move into Mark Schwartz's house? Uh, well, he's only offered us to stay there a few times, mate. And um, unfortunately, when I when I rang the bell to get some service, he couldn't hear it because he was about uh, 100 metres away at the other end of the house. Uh, Mark, same question to you. Evidence existence going forward. Are they now a team that is permanently in the club? of relegation battler or are there some moves they can make to return to the mid-table team even the upper mid-table Europe chasing team that we used to know for so much of the last 10 to 15 years well I think they're at a pivotal moment right now um, I think what the guys were saying Sean Dyche has done I think has done a really good job I mean I know he hasn't won a lot of games for them but he came in under very very difficult circumstances um, I think he showed real fight and determination uh, got the fans on board um, which we know at Leverton at the moment is a really, really toxic relationship between the fans and the club ownership. Uh, even the board of directors haven't actually been at Everton games since January because of fear of, uh, of, their, of their safety at games. That's how bad it's become. Um, a player like Graham Sharp, who's an absolute legend in the club, can't set foot in the ground at the moment because of the toxicity with the fans and the board. So I think... We Sean Dyche to have a strong enough manager, a manager who has enormous amount of experience in the Premier League, knows what it takes to stabilise a club, give him a little bit, give him support, give him a bit uh, an opportunity to, to, to uh, mould the side. I think they're at a point where they can actually create stability and that's something that they certainly need on the football pitch right now and hopefully off the football pitch, uh, the ownership situation will be sorted sooner rather than, rather than later. Stay with us on the Gegen Pod. We will wrap up the European race and the loose ends at the end of the Premier League season. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Welcome back to the Gegen Pod. We've got Thomas Sorensen, Mark Schwarzer and Michael Bridges joining us from an airport lounge in London. So, Bridgie, as we say goodbye to you, uh, a little word on where you were today watching Carlisle win promotion, but also on Aston Villa securing their spot in Europe. Yes, well, it was an amazing day down at Wembley. I went down there with the, uh, Carlisle United as one of the ambassadors and working alongside Ashley Williams, who was um, there doing the ambassador work for Stockport County. An incredible day. 
Um, you know, Carlisle going behind in that game and somehow found a way to get themselves back involved in it. Yet another match in the playoffs went to extra time. It went to penalties. Um, the fingernails have gone, but there was a guy there, the manager of Carlisle, like Paul Simpson. Um, I had the pleasure of working alongside him as my manager when I won promotion with Carlisle United from Division 2 to Division 1, just like he has done again. So he's got the key to this city. He's got the fans on board. And Carlisle United, it was an incredible day uh, unfolded in front of us. So that was that was emotional. I, I, went to, I saw his family there as well because his son is actually one of the analysis team for Stockport County. So the dad got the upper hand at the dinner table and Simo's used that to um, his advantage. So it was a, it was a great day. Um, but unfortunately, like you say, about the Premier League, Leeds United, I witnessed them go down. That, that's put a, a tarnish on it. And the question about Aston Villa, I've got to say, I mean, you probably go to Thomas Sorensen next on this one, but you think of the job Unai Emery has done when he came in, taking them from 16th position into a European spot. I think that is absolutely incredible. Eddie Howe's done an amazing job at Newcastle. Unai Emery has done just an incredible job as well and, and, and matched it as well. When you think Steven Gerrard had a similar group of players, so yeah, you've got to give this man credit. He's won everything in Europe possible for Sevilla. He's done that. He, he, I thought he was very good when he was at Arsenal. Sadly, it came to a bit of an end and it's great to see him back in the Premier League and Tommy must be absolutely buzzing with what's unfolded this, this season. Bridgie, yes or no as we let you go, Harry Kane scored his 29th and 30th goals of the season today. Were they his last in a Tottenham shirt? I'm a man of few, I'm a man of a lot of words, but I'm just going to say yes. There you go. So they were his last. It's goodbye, Harry Kane. It's goodbye, Harry Kane. There you go. Yes, it's done. Wow. Yep. Is done and dusted. Where he goes, nobody knows. But I think he'll stay in the Premier League to try and beat um, Alan Shearer's record. I'll tell you one. Uh, don't be surprised if we don't see him in the Chelsea shirt next season. Bridgie, safe travels. Thanks for joining us. Take care, everybody. And thanks to all the listeners. Pleasure being on once again, lads. Take care. Thank you to Michael Bridges. Thomas Sorensen, let's stay with you. Aston Villa beating Brighton 2-1, confirming that Conference League place. As Bridgie mentioned, Unai Emery, a sensational uh, part of the season after taking over from Steven Gerrard. Where to from here? Because it was another very impressive win today against a Brighton side that, as we know, had already secured their own spot in the Europa League. Yeah, Deservey's done a, a, a great job, obviously, for Brighton. But I think what, what you know, Emery has done since he took over there in, in late last year, I think is tremendous. He, he's brought the club back to, to Europe for the first time since 2010. I think, you know, when you speak to people around the club, it, it's the way he's revitalised the squad because you look in on paper it's it's more or less the same players uh especially um Watkins up front i think he's he's been tremendous uh, you know scoring goals <laughs> you know you look at his record before under Steve Gerrard and now now it, it's like two different players and 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 that's what he's he's done at the clubs he's been at so you know i don't want to get my head in in the clouds but 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 i think you can realistically uh now go in and say Europe should be the goal next year. You know, can they make a push, uh, you know, for a Champions League or for a Europa League? I think, you know, it depends on who they get in player-wise. But overall, I think as a, as a Villa fan, I'm super excited. You, you can finally see, you know, the clubs, the club is in a stable condition. They've got a good manager. They're moving in the right direction. And and it's been a while since 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 that has happened. There's a lot of momentum, of course, uh, behind Aston Villa at the moment, but Tottenham, not so much. They did at least win a game to end the season, but with Ryan Mason at least going out a winner against Leeds, was this the last Spurs game before Ange Postacoglu takes over? Because the news cycle there continues to throw his name up in a very meaningful way. Yeah, I, you know, it's it's a it's a tough one. Um, I think Tottenham. 
you know, a lot of managers will look at that situation now. Um, you know, with what's going on with Daniel Levy, um, we've actually got a, an Australian, Scott Munn, who's, who's moved in, um, you know, who was at Melbourne City. He's a sporting director or has been given the job as sporting director. So there's, there's, a, there's a lot of new faces, old faces. What, what's really the situation there? And I think that's what Postacogler will look at. Is it a stable enough environment for him to take the next step in his career? And, and um, you know, I think Tottenham have put themselves in a horrible uh, a pickle with managers available. They've, they've already missed out on a couple. You know, Nagelsmann didn't want to go. And, um, you know, we, we saw um, uh, the the old manager uh, not going, staying there. So, you know, it's... It, I, I wouldn't advise him in this situation because it, 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 he definitely needs a lot of answers, I think, for him to, to take the job. But I hope so because I really feel that uh, Postacoglu could be a man that could finally turn Tottenham around. Schwartzy, same uh, questions that I've asked to Bridgie and Thomas. Was today Harry Kane's last goal in a Tottenham shirt? And was today the last Spurs game we see before Ange Postacoglu takes over? Well, I think for, for Harry Kane's an interesting one, isn't it? Um, uh, Daniel Levy, obviously. I, I mean, Bridgie mentioned about possibly going into it, even to Chelsea. I just can't see for the life of me Daniel Levy allowing that to happen. I'd love to see Harry Kane at Chelsea because I think he'd be the perfect player, exactly what Chelsea would need. Um, but he's also the sort of player that uh, a club like Manchester United need. Um, so I, I think I think he's, he's less likely to sell him to a club like Chelsea, but would more likely sell him to someone like Man United. Um, and I think that... Uh, this is the time where Harry, Harry Kane has to put his foot down to leave the club if he wants to go on and win trophies. However, the flip side of that is, someone like Ange going into the club, I actually think they'd be genuine contenders for trophies. At what level? Straight away? Uh, maybe not, but certainly giving him the right time, giving him the right framework, I think he could make Tottenham very competitive at that at the top end of the table. Well, that was the uh, scene for the Conference League. And don't forget, West Ham can still make the Europa League if they beat Fiorentina in the Conference League final. Luton Town beat Coventry City on penalties to get promoted. All three promoted teams avoided relegation this season. Next season, we will have Burnley, Sheffield United and Luton Town in the Premier League. So, Mark Schwarzer, uh, what's your first impression on the teams coming up? And do you think uh, anything about the teams coming up into the league next season? What's your hot take on how the Premier League looks with the entire off-season ahead of us? Well, I'm actually really really excited to see how Vincent Company does with Burnley. I really am. I think that, for me, is going to be an exciting uh, start to the season. I, I just feel, obviously, they're going to have a bit more money. They're going to have more opportunity to bring in uh, better quality players. Um, and I, I, I obviously the football that uh, Vincent Company got his team to play this season was was fantastic, um, and a Burnley side that even Michael Bridges will start watching these days. Uh, so I'm excited to, to see them in the Premier League and see what Vincent Company can really do. So they're, they're the, probably the one team that I'm, I am. I mean, oh, I'm also excited to see a first home game for Luton Town in the Premier League. What's that going to be like? Um, obviously a tiny, tiny stadium, um, and uh, a lot said about the. The, the gates where the away fans walk in through through the uh, into the stadium, um, so that that's going to be an interesting factor. And obviously Sheffield United, we know it's a tough place to go for any team. Um, it's a really great atmosphere to watch football. Um, whether or not they're going to be good enough to stay in the league, only time will tell. Will we see three promoted teams stay in the league? 
I don't think this time. And Thomas Sorensen, with the entire off-season ahead of us, uh, what impressions has the season just finished left with you? No, I think it's been a fantastic season. Um, I think it's been so many storylines. Um, you know, the, the top two fighting it out all the way to the end, more or less. And, and um, you know, it bodes well. You, you know, you're looking at teams, Manchester United, I think will be a, a threat for those top two next year. You would expect Liverpool to, to be better and, and what's going to happen with, with, with Chelsea. And, and I think we've just seen so many teams improve. You know, we haven't even mentioned Brentford. I think Thomas Frank has done an, an incredible job there. Um, and and the, the newly promoted sides, yeah, I, I, I agree with Swartzy. I think uh, Winston Company will, will be a story to see, to see him at the absolute top level. Uh, he's done a great job so far. And then Kenilworth Road, you know, Luden are talking about they're having to spend ten million pounds uh, on on just getting it ready for the Premier League uh, because of uh, facilities and and everything else, uh, and holding about ten thousand fans. It's going to be a little tight. Uh, back to back to the old days uh, kind of Premier League games. So I, I think a lot of teams will struggle to go there. It's it's very intense. Fans right on top. Uh, I heard from some of the Sunderland players. Uh, you know that uh, you know they they really struggled. Uh, you know going to Luton in the playoffs. So you know that that that'll be another interesting story. Will they survive? You know even though Rob Edwards has done a great job as manager there, can they attract the players? You know I, I, that's that's going to be my question. You know that that'll be. That, that'll be a big challenge for them. Uh, but looking forward to it, for sure. All right, final question for today's Gegenpod. Next season's champion, you can choose Manchester City or the other 19 clubs. Thomas, who are you taking? I, you're, you're asking the wrong person, man. <laughs> I am, uh, uh, you know, I, you know I'm, I'm a Man City fan, so I'm going to... I'm gonna, I'm gonna definitely back them all the way next year. I think they'll be strong, you know, you know, come out stronger as well. You know, they're they're gonna keep their squad together. They might add one or two. You know, they're the team to beat, and and I'm sure uh, the others will push them. But I see Man City again at the top next year. Schwartzy, can the combined efforts of Man United, Arsenal, Newcastle, Chelsea, Liverpool, can they catch Man City, or do you take Man City over the field? Well, Man City are definitely favourites again already at this stage to retain the title. I've got no doubt about that. Um, will they retain it? That is a very interesting question. This season, they were probably pushed more than probably a lot had thought. Um, I thought Arsenal did a tremendous job um, in pushing them, you know, with, with what, three or four games to go. Um, I'd like to think there's going to be more competition. I'd like to think that Man United are going to get better. Um, and uh, Arsenal will get better. I, I, I'd like to think that Man United will start to push them a bit more next season, um, and it's going to be interesting next weekend in the FA Cup final, whether that's the beginning of it, um, with Manchester City already having eyes on the Champions League. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I'd like to think that probably, and, and also Liverpool. Liverpool's going to have a really interesting off-season. They're losing some, some big-name players uh, that have not necessarily at the peak of their game anymore, um, but have been... You know, mainstays in the side for a number of years now. James Milner, Firmino, um, naming two of them. Chamberlain, obviously, Oxley Chamberlain's leaving. So uh, I, I think, just to name a few, I think Naby Keita's leaving as well. So th- th- there's going to be a mini, kind of almost mini rebuild at Liverpool. Uh, recruitment's going to be absolutely key for Jurgen Klopp again this this off season. And I just wonder whether or not that the number of players they need to they're going to bring in. Uh, can they adapt to Jurgen Klopp's style of football quick enough to be competitive next season, maybe the season afterwards? 
Um, but if I'm going to go with a team that's going to push Manchester City, I'm probably I'm going to probably say Man United. Mark Schwarzer, thanks for joining us. Thank you very much. And Thomas Sorensen, thanks for the uh, the early rise to join us as well. Yeah, Theo, thank you. And uh, I'll probably see you in about 10 minutes. Back into Optus. Yes, a big thanks to Mark Schwarzer, Thomas Sorensen and Michael Bridges. Make sure to subscribe to the Gegen Pod because our regular weekly episode will be back on Wednesday morning, including a wrap of the WSL final day where, of course, Sam Kerr's Chelsea won the championship. My name is Teo Pellizzeri. Thank you for your company on the Optus Sport Football Podcast. You've been listening to The Gegenpop. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.